Hello, my brothers and sisters, and welcome to another episode of The Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. My name is Lucas Mack. I'm your host. And welcome to another episode. Today, I'm I'm really excited to bring to you my guest. His name is Johnny L. Sasser. He is a former special forces operator, an army ranger, an incredible man, and someone that is helping men heal. And, and it is so important with all that is happening in society, with all that is going on with the political rhetoric and the media narratives, that we have good people standing for humanity to help heal and bring hope, inspiration, and light into the world. And that is exactly what today's guest brings. Johnny L. Sasser, the host of The Art of Masculinity, I'm honored to bring this episode to you. Brother, I am so honored to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Thank you for having me on. I love that we got connected through our mutual friend, Lauren, who's an amazing boss lady. Amazing. uh, Just for her to introduce us, and then we just hit it off like so quick. I'm super stoked to get to talk to you for the next hour or so, and just jam out, brother. Yeah, same. Thank you. You know, I um, Lauren is as as we mentioned, she's amazing. She every person she's ever connected me with has been so spot on. And I'm like, okay, she's just a she's an amazing connector. And when you and I first talked, I was like, what is who is this brother that I've just now met? Like it was uh, it was awesome, and and uh, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And you're up in Seattle, which is even really cool because I lived up there for four years while I was in uh, Second Ranger Battalion, south of that, thirty minutes. Yeah, but, and yeah. let me let me say, and thank you for serving. You are, um, and I not just serving. You're a warrior. You're an operator. I get it, but also just you have that human side to you that that loving gentle side and that's what this world you know you're great and i honor that and i mean that you're a great model of how we can be strong and masculine and a leader and a butt kicker (laughs) and also gentle and be an invitation for other people to feel safe so thank you brother for doing what you've done Oh man, I received that and I appreciate that, brother. That means a lot coming from you because I know a little bit about your your background as well. And that's special from somebody that's actually very genuine in this world. So thank you. Thanks, man. Well, bro, how let's let's talk how you went from uh Ranger, being an army ranger, to now hosting a podcast called The Art of Masculinity, which is <laughs> is really beautiful in all the the connections between being this, I mean, you're a big, strong, strapping man. And now you're teaching men how to be masculine, but it's not in the form that everyone may (laughs) think or not think. And so how'd you get into this process? Oh man. Uh, That is a great question. And there was, I think a lot of different avenues that connected me to this, um, to that brought me to this like single source place where I'm trying to identify that for people. But ultimately, like coming from a background with a lot of alpha males and seeing the struggling that they have internally that I say they even me at the time, too. I mean, I struggle with a lot of stuff. And so seeing all that and then saying, well, there's no real place for these guys to go where they respect somebody so much that they would actually listen to their advice, you know. 
So I was like, and then you see a lot of men in general with today that society is kind of progressing and masculinity got really villainized there for a while and still kind of is. Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, this is kind of, can you cuss on the show by the way? Yeah. Yeah. Let it rip. It's okay. all <laughs> the, like, the default okay. settings are explicit. So go for it. <laughs> well, I, was, I was just like, this is, this is fucking bullshit, man. Yeah. Like, you know, masculinity shouldn't be villainized. There's a lot of beauty in masculinity. And the fact of the matter is, is, you know, that balance of masculinity is absolutely required for this world to function. Yeah. And so if we're going to villainize it and then tell men that they're bad for being masculine, you're going to end up with a society that is completely off balance yeah. and that you're not going to have a positive effect of masculinity that it brings to this world. So I was like, man, there's got to be something that we can do about this. So my wife really talked to me about it. My amazing wife, who's uh, Taylor Simpson, sh shameless plug. She's beautiful, awesome. But she talked to me about it and she's like, babe, I think you really have something here. Like nobody's come at it from a perspective of doing that self-development, but then having your background in the way that you're trying to present this. And right. so I'm trying to bridge that gap of making it so that masculinity can be seen as, like you said, that tough, that grind, that that beautiful hard nature in, in a way that's positive. Right. But then yeah. also in a way that it can balance out with the feminine, because there's a lot of guys out there that, you know, they struggle to tap into that because we've never, uh, we've never really been allowed to, yeah. uh, and especially in the community being like an alpha male, like you're never allowed to do that. But then these guys get out into the real world and they realize that alpha mentality does not serve them well in day-to-day -day life, man. And it doesn't serve them well with their families. Right, right. So a ton of struggle there. So I was like, well, let's figure out, let's take a look at my background and say, I know me. So when I first got into self-development stuff, I was literally that guy. I was like, fuck you. Who is this guy to tell me how to be a man, right? Or how yeah. to be, how to self-develop. I felt like self-development people, and I, this is complete like honesty here. I felt self-development people were super weak-minded. They yeah. didn't understand themselves enough to be like, oh, I don't need this shit. Like if I need to do it, I'll just man the fuck up and I'll just like, you know, put my pants up and go, go on my day and I'll figure it out myself. Like I thought these people were super weak. I was real. I realized very quickly after I started to read, read like Dr. Wayne Dyer, I started to realize very quickly. I was actually the weak one. Yeah, I was mentally it. weak, man. And yeah. internally weak because I was not confronting that struggle within myself that says, well, why is it, you know, unmasculine to do these things, to do the self work. Right. So Dude, that's so good. I, I say, I've said before in this podcast, I said, look, it doesn't matter how big and tough and strong and ripped you are, if you can't talk about whatever, whenever, with whomever, you are weak. That is weakness, right? We think like yeah. the toughness is like, I'll fucking attack it. But then yeah. the question is, well, why, if you have that ability to attack what you can see, why, why can't you bring that into what you cannot see, which is the emotional side, right? Conversations with, without getting triggered and wanting to fight, just being in that place of like, Cool. Yeah. Tell me more. You know, I want yeah. to learn more, right? Yeah, no, and that's super special because in, in all reality, the a lot of what I've seen in society is the guy that gets very defensive and protective and then becomes the um the I call it the peacock, but he tries to like puff the chest out and then he's the one upper, he's always gotta have a more cool cool story than you, right? <laughs> right. Um, like 
that guy is so insecure internally. He's doing all of that externally to validate himself to everybody else. Right. But the thing with the guy that's most confident and most secure in his masculinity and who he is, is the guy that's very much saying, oh man, tell me more. That's really cool. I've never done something like that. Yeah. Let me ask you a couple questions because I don't know anything about that. Like, It's that guy that's accepting the fact that he doesn't know everything because regardless of what society believes or what society says, men, you don't know everything. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like we have that bad, like someone's like, oh yeah, do you know about um, the biochemical construction of this and this and this? And you're like, oh yeah, yeah, I heard about that. Motherfucker, you don't know shit about it. You've never heard about that. Like, <laughs> That's so good. That. But yet you're shaking your fucking head like, right. up and down. like yeah, oh, I get this. No, no, man, you don't. Every once in a while, I actually will throw some stuff out there that I know is not highly publicized for people's knowledge just to see how guys react. And if they shake their head, yes, I'm like, this motherfucker does not know this stuff. I know he doesn't know this shit. Like, and then but, do you then you, do you check him on it? Like, hey, do you actually? <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll, I'll actually start to ask him like in-depth questions. And I don't do this to like establish superiority. I do it because I'm trying to make the guy realize like yeah. the more you start to say you know something, if somebody actually has the knowledge and they ask you about it and you don't have an answer you give me some generic bullshit yeah. i'm going to be able to read through it it's a way that i can get guys to really understand that i hope they leave that conversation be like oh shit maybe i shouldn't have said that like why did i say that like mm. why did i want to act like i knew everything yeah yeah that's good um i we've you and i we talked a little bit about each other's journeys um and i want to hear more about your story what led you get to get in join the military and and um the whole path my story was a little different i i grew up pretty gnarly and then at the age of 20 attempted suicide and um failed that's why i'm here obviously today but i understand that absolute of life and death i went to the place of trying to fully attempt to leave and didn't leave. And here I am. And it's led me on this massive journey. But one of the things that came from that, when I was 21 years old, I, I wrote this quote down that I was thinking about myself. And it was that inward reflection leads to outward correction, mm. not outward correction leads to outward correction. Inward reflection leads mm. to outward correction. Yeah. And I think when men I mean, here's the, here's the, this is, this is provocative to many people, but here's the deal. When, when children are hit in the name of love, I don't care what good intentions an adult has, whether they think that's the right way or wrong way, a child who cannot protect itself or defend itself or stand back or assert its power is struck by someone who's supposed to be unconditionally loving that creates a massive wound mm -hmm. and that closes off the ability to receive love and feel safe around people. And then men, women have a different nature where they are more vocal. So they, you know, what's the average woman speaks thousands of words more than a man does a day. So they're vocalizing the emotional side of themselves, but men got wounded early on. Like, Hey, when I was most vulnerable, I got hurt. Or when I, when I behaved in a way that was deemed inappropriate, pain was created. So I'm not going to give myself any permission to be open again. And I think men go down this path of 
they want to be loved. They want to, they want to feel good. They want it. But like you're saying, they're going down the path of trying to peacock and instead of inwardly reflecting saying, well, why am I peacock? Like, why can I not just be chill in a room and sit and like, you're in your body. I'm in my body. We're talking to each other. Right. That's a big, that's a big gap that a lot of guys have. Yeah. And, you know, I have my own philosophy behind it, but I think there's, there's two things coupled with this. And there's one, which is, I don't know if you've ever read the book by Richard Dawkins called the selfish gene, which I absolutely love. He's a, he's a brilliant geneticist. Um, Very, very technical book, but is extremely beautiful because he talks about how genetically we're all predispositioned to want to survive. So Mm. what is our ego? Our ego is always protecting us because it has a survival instinct, right? That's like our cognitive way of associating our selfish genetics with an outward, um, with an outward voice, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So you end up having this internal conscious conversation of why you don't want to say you don't know something, right? Because what is the protection in that? The protection is acceptance. If I'm not accepted, then yep. I'm not liked, then now I'm not part of the group. And then now I'm ostracized, right? So you have this whole connection that's built into your brain where your ego becomes associated down to your cellular level Mm. to expose what you're protecting yourself for and why you're protecting yourself. So when we trace that back and we talk about how the selfish gene is sitting there trying to protect us, it's really our ego. And then how do you combat that? So we say this stuff because we're like, oh, if you actually sit back and you're like, Oh, I said that because I wanted to be accepted. Well, I thought I didn't need to be accepted. I'm a man. I don't need to be accepted. But really, you did. Right. right? That's good. So it's like it's tracing it back to the root. And I'm all, I'm very much in on the foundational uh, understanding of things because I don't really think you can, and I don't want to say fix because I don't want to admit that anybody's broken because I don't think anybody's broken. Yeah, I think right. people just, if you decide that you want to change, if you want to change something, the way to change it is to understand the foundation. Yeah. So that's where like that selfish gene comes into play. And then the other side of it, well, like you said, when a child is, you know, hit even in the name of love, quote unquote love, right? Right, right. Like you also have to couple that with the fact of the social learning theory within life and the fact that there's four different approaches on how we define masculinity and how we've developed our understanding of masculinity. And between those four different approaches that we've developed, a lot of it is not actually what's said to us on because we can't always understand everything it's some of it's what we see and what we infer and what's signified through uh, actions and even in subliminal messaging within social media right so there's a lot Mm. of components involved in that and then that circles into men not being allowed to talk about any emotion yeah right It, it reminds me of um the peacock's a good uh, animal yeah. uh, analogy. And then it also reminds me of the bulls in Spain, these massive two-ton animal or a ton, you know, thousand pound, 2,000 pound animals that are just ripped and angry and just monsters, but they put yeah. rings in their nose because the minute you put a finger in that ring, you can bring a, that bull to its knees and you can carry that bull wherever you want. You can lead that bull wherever you want uh, it to go. And it reminds me of a lot of men who are building up this strength and bravado and protective layers. Yeah. But because they haven't dealt with the internal stuff, they still have a ring in their nose. So they easily get provoked into things or they're drawn into things that are not healthy because they have the simple deal. It's just 
being vulnerable, sharing, yeah. opening, expressing, talking about, hey, I, I don't know everything or I'm struggling with this or does it, when, before I went through my healing journey, I was grinded out, just fucking grind every day, hustling, I had 12 full-time employees at our company. We we're just, and I was, I was rough to them. I would tell them, don't tell me what you can't do. Tell me what you can do and do yeah. it. And I had posters on the wall that said have to or get to hashtag perspective. And I was just <laughs> like, <laughs> Very much the doer. I was I was hardcore on these people, you yeah. know, and they're like 20, 24 year old kids, like what <laughs> is going on? And uh, man, and it wasn't until I I realized that was just me trying to protect me because if I really was honest, I was a hurting, scared, you know, on the outside, beautiful wife, kids, million dollar plus business, all the things, but on the inside. I was dying, truly. Yeah, yeah. You you weren't coming from a place of love whatsoever. No, dude. no. It was just a place of fucking domination, control, and power. Yes. And again, that's that's just exactly what we're predispositioned to to want to have. You think about from essentially from the media after post World War II in the 1950s, it was all designed that way for us to have power, dominance, hmm. and and um, and control. And that that leads to something called hegemonic masculinity, which women are complicit in unknowingly or knowingly, but it, it takes two to tango for that to actually take control within society. So, um, but that's what you're in, man. You were in that and you weren't, you weren't coming from a place of love. You were coming oh. from that place of dominance. And you, like you said, you were dying inside. And that's what we struggle with as, as men is that the fact that we don't want to confront what's internal. So what do we do? We put all this pressure externally and yes. think about why you were even working that fucking hard. You were working that hard because you didn't want to have to look internally. You're right. Like, if I grind like 18 hours a day, I don't have time to look internally. That's I'm right. Grinding, right. That's right. And I collapsed. I collapsed twice. I went to the ER in an ambulance. Wow. Um, I mean, I, I put, I went to my physical limitations and, um, and all that stuff. I realized like one of the things that was an eye opener for me and I have had a huge, um, <laughs> hello. <laughs> Um, I had a huge deconstruction of, um, I mean, when I went to the hospital, I, I basically broke and I had to go face everything. And, um, but I realized that one time I hit this external goal that I was so singularly focused on. I was like, if I get this goal, if I hit this revenue marker in my business, like this is it. And I, once I hit it, it was so empty. It was a, um, I've never experienced anything like it because that I've never put so much energy towards, um, a goal like that. But when I hit that goal, it meant nothing. I actually had more stress from going after that. I, and, um, I realized, wow, all this external stuff isn't the answer. No, <laughs> um, more money, more problems. No, uh, <laughs> but, <you know, laughs> uh, but, the more wasn't that I had to kind of release and let go, not add more and compound more. Cause it, the more I had, the more weight I was carrying, the more I had to grind yeah. as opposed to like releasing, surrendering and coming to that place. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, real quick, brother. I don't want to act like I know the four, what are the four masculine, um, traits oh, yeah, or yeah, you, yeah. you mentioned one, uh, what are the other three? 
Yeah. So you have, you have the normative approach, you have the positivist approach, you have the essentialist approach and you have the semiotic approach <laughs> and each one of them are very different. So like when you look at the essentialist, right, the essentialist approach is very much, um, you pick one central role for masculinity and you base everything around that one central role. So for <laughs> practical app, uh, um, applicability is like, for instance, you grow up and you see protecting your family is the one role that a man does like mm. that. So now everything you look at for the rest of your life on whether you're masculine or you see me as masculine is, am I protecting my family? And are you protecting your family? Everything that your lens goes around becomes protecting family. So when you're not protecting fam your family, um, you start to feel not as masculine. You start to not feel as confident. But when you're uber, like think of a doomsday prepper, right? Somebody yeah. who fucking prepped to the most extreme scenario. That motherfucker, if he's looking at the lens of masculinity through protection, he's won that fight. He's like, I'm more masculine than everybody. Because guess what? I protected my family. So mm. fuck you and what you're doing. Like, I don't care. So you can see how that is not structured though. There's no right. continuity of that across any type of culture or any type of mindset. It's fluid. It's everybody's got a different perception. Hmm. Um, you look at the, you look at the normative approach. The normative approach is basically taking like, um, think of John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, uh, Sylvester Stallone, uh, Arnold yeah. you start, you, you take them from, from the picture screen. Right. And they're, uh, defined masculinity through the building of that story is what you start to measure the normal man around, yeah. which is completely unattainable. It's a movie. I mean, the conditions are all set for them to be that man. Real life is not that way. Right. So, so in a normative approach, we've designed masculinity in a way that the normalcy of being a man is not attainable. And then therefore if that's the normal, but yet it's unattainable, every man in real life is not masculine. Hmm. So, so now you've built this form of masculinity you'll never achieve. So you're always going to feel less than, and you're always going to feel like you have some form of uh, effeminate nature. Yeah. So you're then going to lack confidence. And a lot of guys do, you're going to lack uh, just um, alignment with yourself. So that's the, one of the other approaches. And then uh, the semiotic relationship is basically when you've designed masculinity around what has been signified throughout time as the um, as basically masculine and feminine. Hmm. So when you look at it, like think of a doll, right? A doll is always considered feminine. feminine. It's always yeah. considered with girls. Okay. But then they made G.I. Joe action figures. They right. Made them bigger. But that's not a doll, right? That's a G.I. Joe. Right. So you end up having this thing where everything that's signified, think about even cartoons or think about even billboards. Right. And the man's in, think about the 1950s, the man's in a power suit, the man's yeah. smoking a, a camel cigarette and he's got a nice car, whatever it is. But that signifies what a masculine male is supposed to be. So then all of a sudden you build your masculinity around what was signified mm. at that time and then what was signified for feminine. And then uh, the positivist is essentially, let me see if I remember this one correctly. Um, the positivist was uh, forming into, um, oh, that's what it was. The positivist is actually taking uh, a, um, a uh, data-filled style. So basically when you look at 
okay, if there's 10 men that surround me and nine out of those 10 men are doing the same thing, that's what a male does. That's what's masculine. Oh, interesting. So then you end up basic. it's more of a scientific approach that people take, but they end up surrounding themselves with, okay, what's the data around this? So you can see how that's going to change from culture to culture, right? Like, if I look at everybody here in the Washington DC area, and then I take the mental statistical analysis of what every man's doing on a common pattern, right? That's what I base my masculinity around. But then as soon as I leave DC and I go up to, you know, Seattle, it could be very different. And no longer now am I associated with masculine in that yeah. area. Right. So, That's a good so point. Those are kind of, yeah, That's those really are kind of point. the four approaches, but you, we all male and female, we reside in how we've developed masculinity from all those approaches. Huh. It's yeah. That's Simple. fascinating, brother. Yeah. Did, um, I don't know how this aligns perfectly with what you just shared, but it, it prompted this thought. One of, I was telling you, one of my good buddies is a medically retired Navy SEAL. And uh, he told me that when he's in similar, to what you're talking about, the peacocking, when he's in a, he said, this is what he said. So when he was in a bar, when he was serving, you know, when he was in, he wasn't looking at the guys running their mouth. He was looking at the other guys sitting against the wall, watching what was happening. And then he would always look at what shoes people were wearing. So he said, if the guy running his mouth was wearing like some tennis shoes or lace up shoes, he's like, those guys don't know. But he's like the other guy with boots on or like still toed and he's quiet watching. He's like, that's the threat that I need to watch out for. And, and, um, I don't know how that how that ties. Just like observing, yeah, other well, it's men big. and the dynamics between how we fit in, who's who, what's what, and just because someone acts this bravado doesn't mean in any way that that's healthy masculine, right? Right, absolutely. And, and like when a guy is, you know, when you get guys that are obviously over talking about a lot of times themselves or what they've experienced or their perception, a lot of time it's a guy that's masking something internally, whatever it is. He doesn't feel like he's, he is. The guys that do that are the ones that have to, they're overcompensating essentially for their insecurities internally. The guy that tends to like joke and kind of, um, will, uh, um, he'll be like, he's humble about his experience and things yeah. like that. That's the guy that tends to be more comfortable with who he is because his masculinity resides in something he's very confident in. And mm. then he doesn't have to brag about himself. You know, I I've obviously being former special operations, I know a lot of the guys from different groups throughout the community. And most of the guys in spec ops, like we had a reason we were called the quiet professionals because yeah. we didn't, we were very solid in who we were and we resided in a form of masculinity that we, we were comfortable in. And when you get out to a bar with some of those guys, they're really funny. They're very humble. They're self-deprecating. Like they're not trying to be like, Oh, I'm going to go look at that fucking guy. I'm going to go kick his ass. Like, no right. man, they're, they're literally out there just having a good time because they know what they're capable of and they know right. where they reside in their masculinity. And that's, what's a beautiful thing. Now, granted, we still have shit to work on. We just have different insecurities. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's yeah, that's point. just like kind of the difference. Yeah. How um, we'll we'll get into the masculinity um conversation more in a sec. But I want to just hear your story. How did you and when did you decide that you wanted to be a special forces or and join the Rangers? Oh, so <laughs> funny story on that is I was a kid 
and I was a, a very good soccer player. I played soccer uh, growing up my whole time. And then I had a best friend and I was, uh, we, I'll never forget the moment. We were about, I think like juniors in high school, uh, maybe seniors, but I think juniors. And he was like, Hey man, have you ever heard of uh, these military like groups, like special forces, Navy SEALs, force recon, like army Rangers, um, pararescue, all this stuff. And I was like, I mean, not really. I mean, yeah, I've heard of what special forces are, but that's, you know, that's as my, was my extent. And uh, he's like, take a look at this. And so I read them and I was like, well, I'm not a huge fan of swimming. So I don't know I would ever do that, like be a Navy <laughs> SEAL. Um, and then, uh, and then I was like, oh, these Rangers sound really fucking cool. Never thought anything of it. And then um, I also met a guy when I was young in high school and he was 19 years old. He was graduating and he was going directly into the military. And this was prior to 9-11. And I was like, fuck you, dude. You're crazy. I would never go to the military. You're stupid, right? right. Then you fast, fast forward, and I'm getting out of high school. Never took any of my tests to be looked at by the NCAA for soccer. Um, I didn't know what to do to get into college. I didn't know what to do for student loans. Like, I didn't fucking do anything. I didn't do any research. No one talked to me about it. I didn't really care. Um, so then I was like, oh, shit. What am I going to do? <laughs> and I was like, oh, man. And I was fearless, so I didn't really have any, like, you know, questions on, oh, man, I'm scared to do this or that. And um, at the time, my mom's, like, boyfriend at the time, because my mom and dad had separated early in high school, uh, he was like, hey, you know, I was Air Force, and he was Air Force, and he was like, hey, why don't you go talk to, like, a military recruiter? And I was like, fuck it, why not, man? So I go talk to this guy, and then, like, anyways – condensing that story going through it and then sign up for basic training and actually when i was going and getting ready to sign up for the military you have to talk to one of the people after you go through the medical in processing and this guy was actually a former special forces wow. and all this stuff and i go hey man i'd love to go rangers and he's like yeah we're not gonna do that and i was like what and he goes yeah i'd love to go rangers and because i wanted to get into my contract um and he goes no He's like, uh, we'll just sign you up for the regular military. And then don't worry, man. Like once you get to your unit, you can ask to go Rangers there. So this fucker screwed me, man. I want to, like, wow. if I went back, I'd smack this motherfucker. In the <laughs> um, number one for screwing me. But then I give him a huge hug because I'd be like, dude, what you put me through is actually really cool. So mm. what happened was I was like, okay, 17 year old kid. I'm like, whatever, sign the contract. All right. I'm supposed to go to third ID. Third ID was supposed to go to Fallujah at the time when I, right after I got out of basic. So I'm in basic training and this is how I knew I was supposed to be where I was in hindsight. Um, I go to basic training and one of my drill sergeants, uh, he loved me cause I was like, I was a monster doing my PT tests and everything like that. And after we did dinner one day and we got released from our final formation, he calls me over and he's like, Hey, Ellis Assa. And I was like, yeah, what's, what's up drill sergeant? He goes, Hey, come here. He goes, Hey, what contract you want? Special forces, rangers, what do you want? You want to go snipers? Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, Joe Cern, I'd love to go rangers, actually. And he goes, all right, get the fuck upstairs. So go upstairs. Next wow. day I come down, same thing. We eat dinner, get released formation. LSS, get over here. All right, Joe <laughs> so, This dude freaking pulls a contract out for rangers. So I go to, wow. so after basic training, I would go to airborne school and then go to RIP which is the Ranger indoctrination program. He goes, sign this. And I was like, fuck yeah, signed it. Dude, boom. Next thing I knew, wow. airborne school, Ranger, and then in second bat up in Washington. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was wow, a crazy, brother. 
it was a crazy process. And like, I had never, I would have never planned it that way, but obviously like I was meant to go through that for all those reasons and be where I was for sure. Well, from that regard, then what was, um, what, what did you learn about brotherhood being in the Rangers? What, I mean, what did you learn? How have you taken what you learned as a Ranger also operating with fellow brothers in that regard to now what you're teaching in masculinity? Uh, I am a huge proponent of brotherhood, but brotherhood in the, also in the space that you want to be in, if that makes sense. Hmm. So like, if I want to be, if I'm a guy that's really trying to be a business owner and thrive, I need to create a brotherhood because it's extremely important to have good, positive, masculine roles around you and a brotherhood of the people that are like-minded because that's going to push me to be where I want to go. Hmm. So if I create a brotherhood of dudes that are all, you know, um, and I, I don't want anybody to think of this as negative, but like say blue collar mechanics and because I grew up, my dad's a mechanic. So I grew up around cars and stuff like that. I grew up doing that or blue collar general jobs where guys are living paycheck to paycheck. If I have a brotherhood of that around me, but yet I still want to be a business owner, mm. it's going to be very hard, if not impossible for me to achieve a business owner, having those brothers around me because they aren't going to understand that mindset set and concept. That's and they're good. the same guys that are like living for the weekend. They're like, Oh, I can't wait for Friday and Saturday. And you're like, bro, no, my Monday to Friday is Friday to Saturday because I fucking love every day. Yeah. <laughs> so right. like, like, there's just a different mentality, man. And so like, if you don't have that brotherhood, number one, I think that's a, you're doing yourself a huge disservice because those guys are super good and strong at making you own yourself and your confidence. Mm. And it's also going to allow you to question some of the things that you're thinking as a man, right? Because you want to make sure you have a community that you feel safe with to say, Hey man, I'm, I'm kind of struggling with my wife right now. I haven't been able to really open up with her. Um, but I really want to, cause I think it'll help me to be a better, you know, man or business owner, or whatever. Yeah. And I have a safe community to do that with, with guys that understand that mentality. Um, so that's good. There's a huge, there's a huge important, in my opinion, huge, important focus on brotherhood and it's the right brotherhood though. Like you can't just go and randomly grab a bunch of dudes and be like, all right, man, let's go be bros. And you're like, yeah, that shit don't work. <laughs> yeah. Great. Great point. That's uh, that Jim Rome quote that you're the average or you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with it. Yeah. That's been an interesting process for me because there's guys that I love friends that have been friends for years. And yet I'm my vision for what I'm trying to create in the world is one thing and then i see you know it's interesting how i say this without it's okay i guess for the person that's listening to us who does have big vision who does have big dream who does want to make a great impact in this world in whatever regard that is when the people that they've spent time with doesn't align it's okay yeah. to love them where they're at and support them to be where yeah. they are and to find new people to grow and to be around. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, that's what that you're is, saying. Right. Absolutely. And you said that much more eloquently than I did. And <laughs> yeah, I, right. I love it. I love it. That's, that is exactly anybody listening to this right now. What Lucas just said, that is exactly what we're talking about here. Mm. Love them where they're at and own 
being a support system for them. But remember that taking care of yourself may mean that you got to also surround yourself with a different circle to yeah. keep your mindset positive and to keep you going in the direction you want to go. Very well said, brother. Oh, thanks, man. You know, I, uh, it's funny, the self-development world, I used to, I agree. Like I used to think it was so weak and soft and like, what, yeah. what is this stuff? And, um, and when I did this emotional intelligence training that really I had a born again experience at this, this thing, I mean, two years, uh, a little over two years ago, radically transformed my life. Um, and one of the things that, that I learned in that is it's okay for me to choose me first, meaning I used to think it was a moral evil. And I would talk about this, that it was morally evil when I got on an airplane and they said, put the oxygen mask on yourself first and then help. I was like, that, that I, I would tell people that's what's wrong with our society. <laughs> and I would go off on these tangents and uh, I'm like, we don't love each other. We're not supporting each other. But in that training I went to, I realized for the very first time that I had it backwards in that. And I, and I've said this analogy before I had this picture of I'm on a plane with my oldest daughter and I put the oxygen mask on her and the plane goes down. Mm -hmm. I die. She survives. And she's looking at another dad and another daughter who survived the plane crash and they take care of her. And my daughter says to them, to the other little girl, how did your dad live? Mm -hmm. And he said, and the little girl says to my daughter, well, he put the oxygen mask on himself and then he put it on me. And then my daughter says, and this, I don't know if I had a vision of this or what, where, at what state I see all this, but my daughter says, why didn't my dad love me enough to do the same? Oh, that's powerful. That, that rocked me that I don't know. Seriously, this viscerally changed my life. Am I, if yeah. I, am I really loving my daughter? If I sacrifice myself when I didn't need to, and I could have taken care of myself and taken care of her and I wasn't able to support. Now I don't need to play that analogy out even further. However, it was the very first time I realized and I think coming from being an abused child, you feel the first thing, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast. When children are abused, they don't look at the abuser and say, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, fuck you. They look at themselves and say, something's wrong with me. Yeah. Like, I must be really broken. If you're doing this to me, then I'm, I'm wrong. Yeah. And it's been a huge journey to come out of that, that space. And that, I'm going to bring it back to what we were talking about with the friends. It's okay to keep your vision. It's okay to keep going, love people where they are. Those that don't want to keep going with you, it's okay. Honor them. But to find people who are also putting the oxygen mask on themselves first and being around people who inspire us because inspired people inspire people. But conversely is true as well. Uninspired people, uninspired people. So it's like, hey man, let's get it today. And it's like, well, I don't know, man. <laughs> so I'm like, come on, bro. I'm ready to, let's get it. This, let's live, you know? Yep. And I, I love how you put that. And yours is so vivid, your, your vision of that. But I think it's important to stress that when you're not taking care of yourself, 
you're actually being selfish. Yes. You know, dude, because yes. at the end I had yes. a podcast episode with Calvin Wayman and we talked. Oh, about I love this. him. Yeah. yeah. He's awesome. Uh, we talked about this and it's actually being super selfish when you take care of everybody else first and never take care of yourself, mm. because guess what you're doing? You're actually doing those people a disservice because you can never give them a hundred percent. If you're not a hundred percent, you can't give them what you don't have. So good. So you have to look inside first, do the work internally, make sure you're taking care of your health, make sure you're taking care of your mind, your emotions. And when you do that, and you start to serve everybody else outside of you, you can actually give them the 100% they deserve from you because you've given yourself 100%. Amazing. So, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Oh, brother. Tell me, uh, tell me about your podcast. What, uh, what it, how did you start it and where did the vision come from? Oh, man. Uh, so I, I started it, um, obviously, back to the story of trying to connect men that I was giving them an uber masculine background to say, wow, I can listen to this guy. So this could be mm. even the most falsely over masculine dude can be like, oh, this guy's got a background. I'll at least listen to him. Um, so I connected it with that. And I, that's why I started the podcast to help those guys break through a lot of their insecurity and barriers that they have. And I also gave it to, I also created it to give, a, give men, especially veterans, the permission to start doing the self-development work on themselves because a lot of PTSD, I mean, we have a high suicide rate amongst men in general, yeah. Yeah. and then there's a higher suicide rate amongst men in the military. Yeah. So I wanted to give them an outlet to say, Oh shit, this is one of my brothers who signed up in the military. He served overseas and he's giving us some tools and tips to uh, identify where maybe we can do some of the work ourselves and, and get over some of this PTSD stuff that we've experienced overseas, right. or at least even acknowledge the fact that they may, may need to go talk to somebody because sometimes they don't want to because their ego and their masculinity is protecting them, but to give them the ability to break down that wall and say, I, maybe I do need to go talk to somebody at this point. And then they're like, okay, now I don't feel so weak going and asking for help. Mm. Um, so that's why I created it as that's well. Good. Um, and a lot of the influence behind it is I wanted to give something that other podcasts couldn't give, which was, I have, uh, the inside track to a lot of spec ops guys. Yeah. So I've brought a lot of them on the show and a lot of them have exposed what they struggled with. And that gives guys permission that gives the, not only the former military guys, but it gives the most, you know, I put in quotes, hardest guy out in the regular world, the yeah. permission to say, Oh shit. I yeah. got some struggles too. This guy's talking about how he fucked up on his wife or how yeah. he's not been great dad to his kids and he's right. owned it and like mm. all this stuff or finances. Like I wanted to expose that side of my brothers because I know that a lot of them are working on themselves yeah. and they're a hundred percent about going through that. So I wanted to give all that to dudes to say, guys, this world is out there. Let's kind of join in it together and realize that we're all kind of on the same level of struggling, but we can all bring each other up to be positive male role models to not only young, younger men that are growing up, but also showing the women in our lives and showing the women in this world that masculinity is not a villain, that it's right. extremely That's positive. Right. And That's we right. can acknowledge its dark side and we can acknowledge its good side. That's good, bro. That's beautiful. That, um, you had me think while you're talking is the tree 
a tree, okay? Just any tree. And when I lead men's retreats, I ask guys, what type of tree are you? Think of yourself right now. What vision of a tree do you get when you think of yourself? Is it a mighty oak? Is it a fir? Is it evergreen? Is it a palm tree? What type of tree do you see yourself as? Because what I want men to understand is trees are the most vulnerable um, visualization or representation of vulnerability in nature. They stand with their arms open wide, branches wide open. Not If you saw a tree like this, you're like, that, something's broken with that tree, right? Yeah. The trees that they stand there in their vulnerability and let wind, rain, sun, darkness, light all just come in and then they bend towards the light. So if you see all trees bend towards the light, but the man that isn't willing to open up and receive love and goodness and light and express pain and release the hurt and be open and be vulnerable. Those are the ones that stay in the shadow. You know, eventually they grow and they get in the shade and they die off. And those trees yeah. you see all the time, you go out in the woods, you're like, man, that tree just lacked light. It lacked yeah. sun. It's still standing. Yeah. But it's not serving its original purpose. Nope. Yeah. That's so super important. that's super important because I think the, in, in my, in my honest deep down opinion, so many men want to be different than what's expected of them, but mm. what's expected of them has conditioned them to fight their alignment with who they really are. So they end up covering that, masking that, not owning it, leaving it behind. And what happens is that's why so many people don't give a shit about living for the weekend. They hmm. like, have you ever put that into perspective? The guy that says, Oh, I can't wait for fucking Saturday or Sunday. Dude, you literally just cut your life down to two days a week, every fucking week. Yeah. What kind of life is that? You literally just cut your life to right. a quarter of what it actually should be. Cause you're not really living any other time right. except when you get drunk or when you can fucking do some stupid shit on the weekend. Right. Instead of being like, let me live inside of who I really want to be as a man and let me embody that every fucking day. Hmm. So I, I, I hate that men do this to themselves because there's so much good power in men and there's so much good and light in their masculinity, but they're so confused at what part of their masculinity they can own and what they can't own that they just suppress all of it and then conform to society. And that's the dead tree in the wood. Yeah, it's the dead tree. Man, that's yep. good. Yeah. Um, brother, where can people find you, follow you, listen, tell, tell us, give us the goods, man. Where can we get in touch with you? Oh man. Well, first and foremost, I just want to say, I appreciate you for having me on. I appreciate you for bringing me into your circle and in your Thank life. You. You're such, I can actually see just in you. You're just a genuine, amazing human being. Thanks, and man. I will forever be grateful for Lauren connecting us because this Thanks. is just an amazing relationship already so far. So thank you so much, brother. Brother, thank you. For me, everybody, if, if you want to come follow me, I'm johnny.lsasser uh, at Instagram. My last name is spelled E-L-S-A-S-S-E-R. Uh, you can come follow me there. You can follow me at johnnylsasser.com. Uh, right now it's temporarily down, but it will be up soon. I'm working on it. <laughs> and, and you can come follow uh, the podcast um, at The Art of Masculinity on iTunes or Spotify, wherever you listen to. And then obviously I'm on Facebook under The Art of Masculinity as well. Awesome, man. So. Awesome. Brother, yeah. keep going. I'm, I'm with you. I'm so thankful for what you're doing, what you're saying. I'm, thank you for, you're still serving 
It, you know, that's the beauty of everyone listening. Johnny may have served in the military, but that was just one aspect of your giving. And now you're giving in another capacity and I honor it and we receive it. And thank you, brother. Thank you. And I appreciate that. Guys, thank you so much for listening today. This podcast is very important to share, download, and spread the message. However you're feeling right now, brothers and sisters, this is your time to rise up and be the person deep down you've always wanted to be. Unplug from the news. Unplug from negativity. Unplug from things that cause fear. And look inside yourself and ask yourself a very simple question. Are you satisfied with being and living how you have been and lived up until this point? And if you are not, you get to make the change. You get to step into the power, the purpose, and the inspiration of the person you really are. And you just have to shed the extra weight. You don't have to gain anything additional. It's like the old story of the the statue of David. Michelangelo said he just chipped away until it appeared. He didn't add into the statue. He removed the rough edges. And we get to do the same for ourselves. My name is Lucas Mack. I'm so glad you got to listen to this episode. Johnny, thank you for joining. It was powerful and we will have many more, I'm sure. My name is Lucas Mack. This is the Golden Rule Revolution, where inspiration and purpose come from treating people like people and nothing less. I'll talk to you on the next episode.